welcome into another podcast episode for Codings Pro Magazine. I'm Stephanie Chizik, and I'm editor in chief of Codings Pro. Today we have with us Charlie Brown, who's de- deputy director of Codings for GPI, which is uh, Greenman Peterson Inc. Uh, he's worked there for about 12 years in the Baltimore area, and I am too, which also means that I've got to see a lot of his projects sort of, oh, not a lot, maybe a few of his projects come to life over the years. So uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Charlie. Um, thank you for having me. Why don't you go ahead and start by giving our listeners sort of an uh, overview of how you got started in the codings world? You know, what what is your background here? Uh, I first got into the business back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I worked for an industrial hygiene environmental company doing air monitoring and training for um, abrasive blasters, people working in the lead business that um, when they were working on the coatings that contained lead. And then um, I transitioned out of that and went to work for a bridge painting company. Uh, I became the operations manager, uh, worked there for 14 years before I transitioned to over to GPI working in their um, coatings division. I worked about uh, 11 years with the Maryland State Highway Administration as an area engineer, and then I got a, a promotion to deputy director, and that's where I am today. I think that gives you kind of a, probably a perfect background to be someone who's working with, you know, the the DOT and the greater coatings world of, of the field experience as well as the safety aspect of it. I mean, there's probably a lot of lead still out there that has had to be sort of mitigated during coding projects. Are, is that what you've experienced over the years? Uh, yes. Um, quite a few um, steel structures, whether they be bridges, water tanks, um, or other types of steel structures. A lot of them were coded prior to the, the uh, ban, so to speak, on the use of lead coatings or lead paint, um, which took place in the late 70s. So a lot of your infrastructure was built and a lot of it was coated with lead paint. So we're still working on bridges today that contain lead paint and we'll probably continue to work on bridges or steel structures that contain lead paint probably for the next 10 to 20 years or maybe even longer, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it has a huge impact. Uh, can you maybe, what what does your it's role a- look like now? Sorry, go ahead. Oh no! I was the, my role looks like now. Um, what I currently do is um, I have um, quite a few uh, coding inspectors that work out in the field. Um, I deal primarily with clients, like uh, private and public, um, making sure we get um, their needs met by the work that we do out in the field for them. Um, we have uh, also a laboratory that does analysis work. We have had some clients that want to have some um, field investigation work done in regards to failures. So we have a laboratory that helps us assist us in doing those um, failure analysis work. And then uh, basically I um, make sure that uh, all my guys are up to date on their training and making sure we're doing what the client wants us to do. Do you have any kind of insight as to, you know, since you're, you're still talking to a lot of people in the field, are there any, trends going on out there that that uh, would be interesting to talk about? Well, I mean, everybody's familiar with the pandemic that's going on currently. And with that pandemic, there has come, um, specifically in the state of Maryland, with some budget cuts, along with other DOT and state agencies throughout the country based on, you know, lack of taxes coming in and revenue and so forth. So, 
especially in Maryland, we've seen where um, they have not put out any bridge painting contracts like they normally would um, for this current fiscal year, which is 2020 into 2021, um, based on the, the budget shortfalls that they're having. Um, in my talks with other state agencies and people in those um, agencies and my inspectors and people that are in the business, um, there are issues with the pandemic and, of course, funding. Um, everybody's dealing with it um, to a certain degree, one way or another. Um, but right now, um, everything I'm hearing is it, it's looking a little bit better. Um, you know, a lot more people are at work and driving. Of course, driving helps correct, you know, drive the gas tax for every jurisdiction, which is also the way they use money to promote, you know, maintenance work on bridges and things of that nature. So, I mean, it's been kind of down, but hopefully within the next year or so, it's going to start looking a lot brighter out. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me how everything is, <clears throat> excuse me, connected like that. How you know, just the Joe Schmo on the street. If it, if we're not driving and using enough gas, then or not, you know, not using as much gas as we have in the years previous, how that can affect you know other things trickle down down the the daisy chain, so to speak. It's fascinating how that all works. Oh yes, it's uh, it's all interdependent. I mean, you have long haul truckers that take goods from the port and take them to stores and then you have people that are driving to work or driving and doing, you know, whatever they're doing, um, in their lives. But when the pandemic hit, you know, everybody was told to stay home and, you know, you know, work from home if you could. And a lot of businesses, you know, just closed or were, um, just had everybody started working from home. So when that hit, I mean, you could get on the highways, you know, and it'd be like, Oh my gosh, there's nobody driving. It'd be like, God, there's no traffic. This is awesome. And then you realize why there isn't any traveling and like, oh, it's not so good. But yes, it does has a very big trickle down effect. Yeah, and I know you and I usually get to see each other a couple times a year at, at conferences and trade shows. That's obviously not been happening either. Um, you know, I wonder if that's going to affect any sort of, um, how do I put it, like the, the, the training and education that's been going on. Because I know you've, you've done um, a bunch of trainings, at least at the SSPC show in previous years. So are you, are you missing that? Um, no, actually, I'm still doing a lot of SSPC um, training. I do the uh, SSPC C3, which is the four-day common person for delitting of industrial structures. And I also teach the one-day refresher for the delitting of industrial structures. And I've been doing that. I haven't been flying like I used to in the past, but I've been doing a lot of driving and still teaching those classes. Um, I've been to, into New York and down into Virginia, New Jersey. I've done a few in Maryland. So um, I got one coming up in Delaware. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still doing those training classes, albeit not as much as I did in the past because of the limit about, limited excuse me, amount of traveling I can do. Because I'm only doing it via vehicle driving. Well, that's great news. I mean, it's good to hear that. That's still they they've kind of figured out how to pivot. Then. Yeah, what I was going to say is is that yes, you know we're still doing training. We're business hasn't stopped completely. Um, a lot of the work that's being done is is being done on contracts that were that were out way before the pandemic ever came about. Um, and a lot of it has to do with public work, and you know it's for the public benefit, so they keep on. Um, maintaining these contracts and continue the work. And so you still need to have people trained as the workforce grows or if it changes. 
so we're still doing training a lot a lot of training some people are doing a lot of training online i know that we've transitioned our company to i used to teach the osha 10 and osha 30 hour classes um physically now we're transitioning a lot of that to online training so we're still getting it done it's just different ways of doing it yeah i wonder if that'll be one of those things that kind of stays moving forward you know when people can't get there in person if they can find a way to do it virtually instead it'll be one of those interesting things to see how that sh shakes out in the future exactly it'll be very interesting <laughs> i could be out of a job no <laughs> i think there, there will always be job. enough <laughs> yes one of the that was like kind of a good segue you know when i think as far as as far as i'm concerned of course i i'm living and breathing it right now but one of the uh biggest uh excitements this year has been the merger of nace and sspc it's been obviously been discussed at least for a year now if not more um in this latest iteration is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to when it comes to the merger um that's a very good question um because really at the moment it's hard to determine what kind of question or, or even answers to the questions I would have until we start seeing more and more of it being put out into the mainstream. Um, the potentially good thing about the merger is the organization joins two different segments, so to speak, where you have a segment from NACE where it was a lot of corrosion and then a segment where from SSP it was a lot about coatings. And now you're joining the two together and there is a lot of possibilities for that um, joining together for the future. Also, it makes it a much larger organization, so that helps with, you know, when you do um, shows and things of that nature, you know, instead of having to go to two different conferences like I used to go to, like I go to ASUS, SSPC or NACE, now you're, you know, down the road, there's going to probably be just one big conference, the NACE SSPC conference, which is going to be called AMP, which is the new name. So, yes, there's a lot to look forward to. It's just, it's really new. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it really, it really will be really interesting to see. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraged. Uh, what, what about anything else in the, in the industry, coatings world or um, training or what have you, DOT? I know you're not quite as involved in that world anymore, but and it, what, what do you think the future looks like for the greater sort of industry? Anything uh, exciting coming down the pike? Um, <clears throat> nothing that I can put my hands on. I just know that coming down the pike, you know, we, with this pandemic and, and everything that we've had to change in regards to the way we do business, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's going to be with us for a while, in my opinion. And I think that as a company, as an organization, as um, businesses look forward or look forward down the road to how they're going to conduct business. We're going to be dealing with this pandemic and, and the fallout from it for quite a while. But that being said, I think we've learned that we can work through it. Um, a lot of companies are out there continually still to work. And I just think it'll just mean a little bit of change to the way we view business or how we do our business. But I think in the long run, we're all going to be um, better off and uh, we'll continue to um get our work done and, and be and be prosperous, I think. No, oh, that's great. Any fun projects that you that you guys are a part of right now going on? I was involved in a one where it was an interesting project, very small. Um, I was working for a general contractor on um, 
a project on the Patapsco River, which is right next to the Key Bridge, which you're familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. They have an underground um, electrical line that runs under the water there. It connects a couple of the um, power stations. And the line is getting past its um, its, exact, its excuse me its effective usage, so they replace it. And instead of putting another buried cable under the water, they're putting it on a tower. And they're I was involved with the coating of the um, piles that were being put into the water in the Patapsco River. And um, when it's all said and done, the tower that's going to be um, put in place to hold the electric lines will be probably the largest freestanding tower on the East Coast, if not the United States. Wow, that's cool. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, You'll get to see it eventually. (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. So That was one of the interesting jobs I was on. Yes, and as a Baltimore native, I'm shocked you don't say Patapsico. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm not a Baltimore native, so to speak. I was born in Baltimore, but when I was one, I left um, Maryland, and I grew up um, overseas. Oh, I didn't. My father was in the defense contractor, so yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. wasn't raised in Baltimore, Maryland. I was raised in Italy, Germany, Greece, a bunch of other places. So. Oh wow, that's very cool. Then I came back when I was eight, so I. Yeah, it was it was fun, and um, so when I came back, I was around eight, so I didn't get to the Baltimore speak some of it. I got I still get that. Some people still say I have something, but I don't say zinc instead of sink. Oh, Those kinds of things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we've all got our accents. I think the, you know, it's always fun. Of course. <laughs> um, well, that's actually another good segue. You're like, I feel like I'm um, I'm at bat right now. You're doing such a good job pitching. We started <laughs> we started with uh, our podcast to do sort of like a fun, you know, quick rapid fire at the end of each chat. So I thought I would just take the time now to kind of ask a few questions, um, if you don't mind. The f- nothing too personal, obviously, but uh, do you have any <laughs> anyone in the um, who you would consider a hero or a mentor? Mentor? Um, I have a couple. Okay. Um, growing up in the industry, so to speak, um, I learned a lot from... Um, Lloyd Smith, who used to work at GPI, who's now retired. There's also another gentleman, and for the love of me, I can't remember his name. He was the owner of CCML. Oh, Gary Tinglenberg, sorry. Um, I learned a lot in the industry um, being around him and in some of his training classes. Um, I would have to say that I learned a lot in the business um, from my father when I worked for him. He and the business that I worked in the beginning for safety and industrial hygiene work. So I learned about you know, being a small business, to, how hard it is to be a small business in, in the world today or back then. And and the attitude that um, in order to progress, you have to be able to be willing to do everything and anything. Um, I say this a number of times to a lot of people when I was a contractor that I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I can spray paint, blast clean. Uh, I can drive, a, used to be able to drive a truck, I had a seal license. So in a small business, you have to do is everything, anything for you to survive and be prosperous. And I think a lot of that tends to take me into the kind of work that I do now. And then I take that same idea, even though I work for a much larger company. And that the fact is that we all have to pitch in and do whatever we can, we can do to make what work we're doing and, we're, and for who we're working with uh, more prosperous. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, wearing all the hats and not, sounds like you're also kind of saying like, you know, not being above a task or, or what have you. If you, if it needs to get done, it needs to get done. Yeah, so there's a saying that I've, I don't know who said it, um, but I agree with it wholeheartedly is that I would never give a task to somebody that I wasn't willing to do myself. And I believe in that 100%. I'm not going to give somebody a task or a job to do that I'm not willing to do myself. And, you know, being able to do that when I was in the construction business and actually, you know, get in there and vacuum up steel grit when I had to, or, you know, we were short a guy and I had to get in and, you know, spray paint, you know, some, some structural steel or drive a truck when the guy didn't show up for work. Um, I mean, I'm willing to pitch in and I think that's, you know, been my kind of mantra all my life because that's the way I was raised. You know, you do everything you can to move the job forward and get the work done. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. On the flip side, what is your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> Keep it clean, Charlie. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I mean, are you talking about business or just in general? Because in general, it would be people, the way people drive. I mean, okay. since this pandemic, I've noticed people are driving like it's the Indy, Indianapolis 500 out here on the highways. It's just crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, if you're talking about... Um, work at work in the coatings world i think um i think the biggest pet peeve i would have is is it's not so much a pet peeve it's where i would want to um people tend to look at coatings as it's a lower class type of um, work to be done um when i was a contractor I'd always be oh god we got to get the painting contractor in here get the thing painted you know whatever you know we're the lowest of the low on the you know scale of contractors and People don't understand how important coatings are in the, in the world today and how important they are for, you know, our infrastructure and, you know, how important it is to protect those um, steel structures from corrosion. Um, and I think, you know, people understood it. Uh, I think NACE did a study once where it said that the, the um, corrosion costs the United States, I think, annually, I think it was a couple billion dollars a year. I mean, if you think about it, that's a lot bigger than most crash, um, most great gross national products of some countries. So, I mean, it's a big deal in my opinion. And that's kind of one of my little pet peeves, I guess. Yeah. If, if, um, when we get back to, you know, in-person events again, the legislative day down on Capitol Hill is a really interesting to, one to go and, and kind of get to share basically what you're just talking about with the, with the Hill, because it, you know, it, it does affect, corrosion and the need for coatings does affect a lot and people just don't realize it if they're not paying attention. So yeah, I think that's a great one. Yeah. Okay. Last question for you. If you were famous for something other than what you're already doing, of course, because you're famous for that, you know, what would you be famous for? <laughs> I'm sorry. Say that again. I didn't hear the beginning. I apologize. You're, you're good. If you were famous for something, what would you be famous for? Hmm. Oh boy a tough one i got another one i do that. a lot of training okay well no i do a lot of training I, I do a lot of not just safety training i have my own company where i do a lot of different types of training you know safety and some other stuff and i guess one of the things i like to be known for is that i was a good trainer i was a good public speaker to people and, and train them and get them to understand whatever i was trying to teach them I awesome guess. that's great okay Anything else you want to mention before we uh, close up the call today? 
Um, no, I can't think of any. I just appreciate the time you gave me, and uh, good luck to the new NACE SSPC organization, and hopefully we can weather the pandemic and we can all move forward to a brighter future. I love it. I love ending on a positive note. If people want to reach out to you, Charlie, how should they go ahead and do that? Oh, they can email me. Uh, my email address is um, cbrown at gpinet.com. And um, they can email me, and I usually answer my email within a day or two, so I'm pretty good about that. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I do think uh, please reach out to Charlie or, or me for that matter if you have any questions you want to follow up. Um, he's a, a great resource in, in the industry. So thanks for sharing that and for joining us today, chatting again with Charlie Brown. He is the Deputy Director of Codings for Greenman Peterson, Inc. GPI. And as always, everyone, happy coding. Calling all codings contractors. We have a great resource for you. Codings Pro Magazine provides you with the latest news, trends, and technologies for your coding needs. And the best part? It's completely free to anyone who signs up. Simply visit CodingsProMag.com slash subscribe. Codings Pro. Know what the pros know.